Here we go. It is a rainy Wednesday morning. Pastor Paul, glad you had decided to join us for our walk through the book of Exodus. And we are up to Exodus chapter 4, and God is sending Moses on a mission. And that mission, you could say he's on a mission from God. Little Blues Brothers there. Moses is going to return to Egypt after an absence of 40 years. And God has a special mission for him to lead his people out. And so we're going to pick up the, the story from when God has appeared to Moses. And Moses is now preparing to go back to Egypt. And we're on Exodus 4.18. And there is so much in this, the rest of this chapter, in these, I don't know, what is it, 14 verses we're, in fact, we're only going to um, go through verse 23 because there's just, there's so much here. So let, let's read Exodus 4, beginning at verse 18. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you, go, you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. All right, let's pray. Father, um, we really come to your word wanting your word to dictate the terms of how we are to know you. We want to let your word and you speak on its own. We want you to speak for yourself. And we want to have hearts to receive who you've revealed yourself to be. Well, we ask this um, in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I want to hone in here on the idea that God has forecasted for, for, for Moses what is going to happen when he goes to demand that Pharaoh let God's people go. Now remember, um, God, God has given Moses this capacity to do these signs and wonders in front of Pharaoh, the staff to a, the you know, staff that could be turned into a snake and that he could put his hand in his cloak and it come out um, uh, leprous and those sorts of things. But, but again, um, God is forecasting to Moses that this is not going to work, that Pharaoh is, is going to have a stubborn heart. He's going, to, he's going to harden his heart. He's going to be stiff to these truths, and that ultimately this is going to end up with the firstborn in Egypt being killed um, as a sign that God has passed over the Israelites in his rescue of them. Now, what's really piercing about this prophecy is that God makes it very clear that the reason Pharaoh is not going to let the people go is because I, meaning God, will actually harden his heart 
and the idea is there is to, to make stubborn or resistant. And this, of course, brings up a whole host of theological questions and concerns that we might have. And before we, before we explore these, let me just um, give us some parameters here and some things to think about. We, are, we live very much in a, in a culture, even in evangelicalism, that says things like, um, I could never worship a God that blank, and then put, put, put whatever in the blank, whatever, whatever controversy. Or, 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 or that's just not the way I like to think about God. Or, and of course, this is consistent with the culture that wants to construct its own spirituality um, in terms of making God who we think he ought to be. And, and so I think that one urge we want to resist here is the urge to rush in and say what all of these things don't mean. Well, you know, when God says he, most, when, when, the, when Exodus says God hardens Pharaoh's heart, here's what it doesn't mean. Well, I think part of that instinct we have is that we want to rescue God from his own sovereignty. We want to rescue God from the implications of who he reveals himself to be. And obviously, we understand that that, that is foolishness. God sets the terms for who he is. God sets the terms for how he's going to reveal himself. And so we don't want to be quick to come in and like rescue God um, on the witness stand as if he needs rescuing. We want him to set the terms. And we want to receive them in his word. So, so this is not going to be the only time we hear in the text in Exodus about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. It is said multiple times, okay, many, many, many times, more than a dozen times, two dozen times even. Now, sometimes it'll say God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Sometimes um, it'll say that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Um, it kind of flows, it flows both ways. Now, we have to ask, first of all, um, um, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? We can't get around the fact that God hardened his heart, okay, so that he would not let the people go. That is the, the plain reading of the text. What we want to ask is why, okay? And so for this, thankfully, we have the help of the Apostle Paul. So if you have your Bibles, and I'm certain that you do, you can flip over to Romans chapter 9, and Paul's addressing this very issue about the nature of God. I'll read in Romans 9, beginning in verse 14. And this is, this is a pretty astounding passage, okay? What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? Or, or in other words, is there unfairness on God's part? And Moses says, by no means. God says, Paul says, for by no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Now obviously this is one of the, the more harder quote-unquote text in all of scripture because it it really collides with our um, 
fallen human view of self-determination and uh, the fact that we can be whoever we want and choose what to do, whatever we want to do. Um, but obviously, Paul is pointing us to this reality that standing behind all human activity is a sovereign God and that it's up to God, okay, um, to determine, um, in a sense, how his creatures respond to him or how, or put it this way, how he responds to his creatures. So, so one thing we want to say when he says, I will mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll compassion on whom I have compassion. I will harden whom I will or not harden whom I will. It's not as if God is looking over a mass of humanity that is on the right track, that has an open heart to him and that he is going around arbitrarily hardening hearts that are open to God. That's that's not what's happening here, okay? That's not Paul's point. Paul's point, um, rather, is that all of humanity is hardened to God. All of humanity um, has a fist raised to God. All of humanity is pursuing its own course. And it's God, by his sovereign grace, that comes down and is merciful, is gracious, and saves many who do not deserve to be saved because they're they're already hardened and rebelling against God. Okay, that's what it means. He he has mercy on whomever he wills. He hardens whomever he wills. Um, so it's not as if God is is saying, "Hey, I'm gonna you know Pharaoh. He's doing great over there, and he's seeking me. I'm gonna go harden his heart." No, no, no. Pharaoh's heart's already hardened. But nonetheless, God is, in a sense, preventing, okay, um, repentance or, or, or God is making Pharaoh's heart stubborn to God himself. And whether we want to say Pharaoh was already hardened or, or whatever, the reality is, it's very clear from this text, God has the power to have mercy on whom he wants and for whatever reason, He's not having mercy on Pharaoh. And so the question is, why? And I think verse 17 in Romans 9 tells us, For this very purpose, he says to Pharaoh, I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So let's think about the context for a second. Egypt is a polytheistic hotbed of the worship of many gods. The Nile was worshipped. The sun was worshipped. Pharaoh was worshipped. There were many, many, many gods who were all seen to have control over the physical environment there in Egypt. And one of the things that we're going to see is that through the plagues, God is going to show Pharaoh all of these little gods are just like little um, stick figures, Lego figures, little people, figurines, okay, Polly Pockets compared to the person, compared to me, right? And so I'm the one true God. I am the ultimate God. I am the supreme God. I am the sovereign God. And one of the things that God is going to display, both to the Egyptians and to the people of God, okay, is that he is the true God. And so all of these opportunities where Pharaoh continues to have a hardened, stiffened heart is one more opportunity for God to show that he is the one with absolute power and sovereignty. In other words, God wants to make it crystal clear to the Israelites and to the Egyptians that there is no other God but him and him alone. 
And so, so what we want to say here then is that God always has a good design, a sovereign design in whatever he does. Now, Paul, as he's talking about this, anticipates um, what our response might be, right? And, 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 and listen to what he says in verse 19 of Romans 9. You will say to, to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? So in other words, the fallen human response we might give to that is, well, I hear that, God, but then how, how do you still hold people responsible for your sin, for their sin? Because obviously you're sovereign and who can resist your will? Now what Paul says next may not be emotionally satisfying to us, but it is the answer God gives and that we have to reckon with. In verse 20, But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience that vessels of wrath prepare for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for, for glory. So in other words, one of Paul's initial responses um, is, to, is to say, ultimately, God is the judge and the sovereign. He has made us and not we ourselves. And he is the potter, we are the clay. And the part of the prerogative of being God is that he does what is good and right. Now, this idea of um, make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand, again, this idea is that all of us are born as vessels of destruction, okay? Uh, vessels of sin and his just wrath. But God, in his gracious sovereignty, moves in and by his sovereign grace has mercy on us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, we can ask, God, why don't you have mercy on everyone, right? Um, because you clearly have the power to do so. And, and, and Paul's response here is to say, don't talk back to God, okay? Um, God does what is all for his holy purpose. And there's something about his just uh, revelation of his wrath and his justice upon the unrighteous that is also glorifying to God because we know that God is a God of justice and that he will fix all the wrongs on the earth. There will not be a, a free pass except for believers. And our pass was very costly. It cost the, cost, um, the, the, cost the father um, the death of his own son. And so now... Obviously, we could. there's whole seminary courses devoted to these topics and these texts, but I just wanted to like give us an introduction into this part of Exodus, okay? Because it's going to be a prominent theme of the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. And what we see standing behind that is that God is sovereign and displaying his sovereignty and his grace and his mercy and his justice and his power over all other gods. There is to be no other God before him, and that was the lesson for the Israelites. Okay, tomorrow we are going to continue our controversial trek through Exodus and look at God's intention of killing Moses' son and what that was all about. He didn't, but we're going to find out why he wanted to and why he didn't and what happened. So 
join us tomorrow. Lord, um, give us your grace to receive texts that culturally just don't seem palpable or that seem just oddly out of kilter with the spirit of the age. Lord, help us to learn to let you set the terms for how we are to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, folks. Have a great day.